Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Hey Man, It's Okay. I'm one of your hosts, Sky. Hey, guys. Welcome back. My name's Ryan Heapy. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist outside of Newport Beach, California. And welcome to our show today. Sky, what do we got? Oh, man. Well, Ryan, my question for today is what do you know about stoicism? Not a whole lot. I actually had to look up the definition, I think, earlier. I hear it kind of tossed around every once in a while as kind of being, you know, you hear somebody who's stoic and I kind of feel like that. Maybe my interpretation, which is probably a little off, is that it's like somebody who like kind of withholds or like suppresses maybe some of their feelings and just kind of maybe maybe almost smiles in the face of pain or something like that. Yeah, it makes me think of How to Train Your Dragons. The dad in that was, his name was Stoic. And I always picture that kind of man when I think about Stoicism. But I think we can get a clearer view on that, which is why we invited our guest, Johnny Nava, on the today to discuss stoicism, and he is the host of the Don't Panic, We're All Going to Die podcast. Welcome, Johnny Nava. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for coming on. So, Johnny, welcome to Hey Man, It's Okay. Maybe you can give our listeners a little bit of an insight as to who you are and kind of an intro into stoicism and see where we go. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I, I love the theme of the podcast. I love the name of the podcast, so... Very happy to be a guest. I'm usually in the the host side of the table, as you mentioned, host of the Don't Panic, We're All Going to Die podcast. But I guess, you know, a little bit about me. I live in Los Angeles, 30 years old, and I initially kind of started my creative journey as a writer. So I like to write nonfiction and fiction. But how I kind of got into this journey of podcasting was after graduating college, I think I had a bit of an existential crisis. And I tried a few different ways to try and remedy it. So, you know, religion is oftentimes one way people try to do it. I tried therapy and I tried taking antidepressants and I felt like all of them offered a little bit of something for me, but none of them really helped me get over the hump or really address any of the existential problems I was having. And so as kind of like a last ditch effort, I started reading into philosophy as a way to maybe explain some of these questions that I had, that I was dying to know the answers to. And on the way of doing that, I had someone recommend to me this book called Meditations. And it was actually a book that I had picked up when I was 18 because I thought it was interesting. I was interested in learning about it. But I picked up the wrong, uh, like a translation that wasn't very good. So I kind of read a few pages and put it down. And then he actually recommended me a better translation. I picked it up and I just felt like it was a book that was so full of wisdom and it just helped me so much. I felt like I had like a toolkit for how to deal with some of these existential problems after reading that book. And then it kind of just from there, I was like, let me learn a little bit more about this. And it kind of went on a journey of learning about stoicism, learning about philosophy. And then once I found what I think, I guess, was my way out of it, I no longer feel like I'm in an existential crisis. I think I've dealt with a lot of anxiety that I was having, no longer depressed. I wanted to try and figure out a way to transfer some of that wisdom or some of that knowledge that I had acquired through learning to wider audience in a way that they didn't have to read these really dense or sometimes dense books in order to learn about it, you know? So, so you're speaking that's to my kind of why kind of I do what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's not easy to recommend a philosophy book to most people, especially if they aren't readers in general. So I think my mission in life is to try and figure out a way to distill that knowledge into a way that's accessible for everybody. That's awesome. It sounds kind of a lot of like, like what I do as a therapist is, you know, 
know, I'm constantly taking in any sort of new psychological information, stuff like that. Like you said, or we had talked about earlier, I got the Daily Stoic here that, there you go, get it in the camera. <laughs> that, uh, Good job. Same kind of thing. I, You know, I read parts of it here and there. And actually, you know, each one's got like a, a meditation for each day. But, uh, you know, it, it's taking in all that information and being able to kind of pass it along in a way that's palatable to kind of each person. And, you know, kind of with podcasts, kind of similar to clients, it's like every person has a different background and we're trying to speak to them as best we can in their in their language. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. I think that's uh, probably what makes you a good therapist is, is the, your ability to do that. Thanks. So does your podcast name, which is, tell us again, it's We're All Gonna it's Die? Don't panic, <laughs> we're all going to die. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, it's supposed to be sardonic. That, did that come from a, a stoic philosophy? You know, I think when you have an existential crisis, I think one of the most troubling questions is what happens after you die. If you're brought up in a Christian or a Catholic faith, uh, the answer is you go to heaven. And that's, and, you know, regardless of what religion you are, usually they, they have some type of answer for that question. But if you decide to, if you end up doubting your faith or becoming a little bit wayward in that way, that becomes a much scarier question is what happens after we die. And so I think a lot of uh, my, what my time spent was trying to figure out, you know, not necessarily the answer to that question, but how do I deal with feeling like I don't know the answer to that question? And I think philosophy was a really useful tool in navigating those feelings of, you know, having an existential crisis. So the title "Don't Panic, We're All Going to Die" is it's kind of a it's kind of a play on that. It's uh, saying, hey, I know this is a really scary question, but hopefully, if you listen to a few episodes of this, we can kind of break down those fears a little bit and help you maybe find some tools that will help you address some of these feelings yourself. Awesome. Before we get moving forward, can you kind of give us a general overview of what your understanding is of Stoicism? So our listeners and Ryan and I also have like a clear view of what is involved with this. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I would say that I'm a student of Stoicism. You know, I'm not, uh, I know a lot about Stoicism, but I'm, I'm certainly not an expert Stoic by any means. Uh, but Stoicism, I think if you were to boil it down to like one sentence about you know, what it encapsulates. It's a practical philosophy that's based on the idea that you can't control what happens to you, but you can control how you respond to it. Within that, there's a there's a lot of different, you know, teachings within Stoicism, but historically it's a Greek and Roman philosophy. It started with this guy named Zeno, who was interested in philosophy and he started studying with academics around Athens. Uh, at the time, there was a lot of different schools of philosophy because after Socrates and Plato and Aristotle had kind of made their imprints on Western thought, uh, I think a lot of different people like learned from these guys and then tried to apply their own teachings onto it. And so you had cynics, you had Epicureans, and I've always really gravitated towards Stoicism. But Stoicism is really just one school and a number of schools. The idea is basically you should only focus on what you can control and try to maybe tune out the things that you can't. But within it, there's also uh, the four main virtues of Stoicism, which are justice, courage, wisdom, and um, temperance or discipline. And so I would say like there's I like to call it the Mount Rushmore of Stoicism. There's like I would say four main Stoics and they would be. Uh, Marcus Aurelius, which a lot of people are familiar with. He's the one who wrote Meditations. Uh, he's also Joaquin Phoenix's dad and gladiator. <laughs> but he was a Roman emperor who had a journal 
that was not meant to be published but ended up being published. And that's kind of like, I would call it more or less the, like a kind of a Bible of Stoicism. There's also Seneca. He was in, involved in politics. He was basically like the hand of the king for Nero, which he kind of gets a bad rap for, but he's a really, really wise person. He wrote a lot. And uh, his most popular work, I actually have it right here. It's called Letters from a Stoic. And these are letters that he wrote to his friend Lucilius, just kind of advising him on life. And then there's also Epictetus, who wrote uh, Discourses. He was a slave in the Roman Empire. And so a lot of the teachings of trying to focus on what you can control and tune out what you can't comes from him because, you know, he was a slave and he did not have a control over a huge portion of his life. And then, you know, the fourth spot's kind of open. Some people would say Zeno because he founded it. Other people would say Chrysippus would be the fourth main Stoic because he's the one who captured a lot of Stoic teachings and text, a lot of which are, have been lost. But I would say that those are, if you're interested in Stoicism, all those guys would be a great place to start. So, so hopefully I did justice in summarizing <clears throat> it. <laughs> I, I think that was a great summary, actually. Absolutely. Me um, too. What was Thanks. it that, that really captured you? You know, I know you talked about uh, that first book that you read, but was there, mm-hmm. you know, really like a teaching in there that just, you know, where you were just like, I got to get more of this? Yeah, I think when you kind of start to wade into the, the stoicism pool, tend to gravitate towards one of these guys that I just mentioned, because they kind of have an emphasis on specific ideas in stoicism. And so I had this guy who was on my podcast, he he really gravitates towards Epictetus because he likes the idea that this guy was a slave. And he likes the idea of like, he just finds his teachings to be very sincere for that reason. But I always like Marcus because Marcus had all this power. He could have done anything that he wanted with it. And yet he decided to focus on being a wise ruler, which I really like. But I think what really stuck out to me is just some of the quotes and meditations. There's a couple that come to mind, which is like, the soul is colored, is colored, the quality of its thoughts. Or there's one that says, waste no time discussing what a good man should be, just be one. And so just like really simple quotes. Actually, the Daily Stoic that you mentioned, is it's usually just one Stoic quote and then kind of like a summary on what that teaching is. And so I think with Marcus Aurelius, the way he writes was just so clear to me. And the fact that it's a journal. So with Seneca, he wrote to a friend. With Epictetus, he was a teacher. But Marcus his journal meditations was not supposed to be published. It was just things that he was writing to himself so that he could try and be a better person. Uh, I, I just connect with that a lot because I'm an overthinker myself <laughs> and I spend a lot of time in my own head. And so to be able to kind of take some of these things that he was telling himself and then to start telling it to myself, I found to be very useful in terms of figuring out how to apply this philosophy to real life. What we get from this is day-to-day thoughts of a Roman emperor, right? You know, maybe at the time, and this is 2,000 years ago, right? You know, something like that. I think it was like 100, 100 AD around there. And, you know, the most powerful, one, probably one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful man on the planet at the time. And we're getting his definitely, daily thoughts. Yeah. And they are still so relevant and wise and, you know, kind of on point today, 2000 years later. I don't know that that just like fascinates the hell out of me. You and me both, Ryan. I mean, I I think that's one of the things that I like the most about it is that it's it's, and you'll read these books and you're like, I cannot believe this is written so many years ago because it is so relevant. But I think one of the things that I find really interesting about philosophy is how much it kind of repeats itself through different schools of thought, through different religions. I mean, if you look at Stoicism and compare it side by side with Buddhism, 
there's a lot in common. There's a lot in common between the two. And I think it speaks to universal truths that I think that, you know, different cultures and different religions and different people throughout time have kind of discovered. And I feel like most of the time, the reason these books are popular is because they kind of tap into that a little bit. People haven't changed that much. And in, in, in the time that we've been alive. And I think it's just hard to remember that when we have so many distractions in our day-to-day life. Yeah, for sure. That's um, that's pretty interesting. I think the whole idea behind that is fascinating to me. You've definitely piqued my interest. And I definitely want to look into it a little more. It sounds like there's some, there's some good lessons for people who are kind of like trying to figure life out a little bit. I like, I like what you said, where you said, uh, don't discuss what it means to be a good man, just be one. That's, I love that quote. That's great. But yeah, I definitely want to look into it. Is there another like uh, teacher who's more modern these days who you kind of follow? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, I mean, I'm I'm trying my best to 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 I guess try and be one at some point. But I definitely would not consider myself one. I, I'm just kind of on the path. I'm just the curious one. I feel like I I'm just trying to ask questions. Who I really look to is I had this guy named Massimo Piliucci. He's from Rome, actually, which is really interesting. He has like four PhDs. He's written like sixteen books. And he actually is the one who introduced me to Stoicism because when I had that copy of Meditations that didn't really work for me, I was like, I still really want to learn about this. And he had a book out called How to Be a Stoic. I was like, this looks like a good entry point. And it was an excellent entry point. And so he's written a lot of books on it. He's very respected in the community. And I would say he has written a lot of uh, really good books on the topic. I think the leader in Stoicism today would be Ryan Holiday, who wrote the the Daily Stoic, which is a book that you you held up. He's really great. He's like I think he's like thirty six too, so he's like yeah, a pretty he's young. young guy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I see him on TikTok all the time. I don't think that I would be doing what I'm doing if it wasn't for him, because uh, you know I think he's also a college dropout, which I think is really interesting. I think sometimes, I mean, I know that you, uh, you're a licensed therapist, Ryan, so maybe you can't relate to this as much, but I think sometimes people can get intimidated by their sense of regular guidance that they have about themselves. Like, I can't talk about this. I don't have a degree, but you know, all these things are universal. So, so I don't think anyone should feel that way, but I would say Ryan, to answer your questions, I think Ryan Holiday, Massimo Pigliucci, and then, you know, I, I always find it really interesting. There's a lot of people who are successful and you don't really know that they know about stoicism, but then you, you'll catch them in an interview and they're like, like Chris Bosch is an example, you know, he played for the Miami Heat during when they had LeBron James. And he's like a, he's a, he, he probably a student of stoicism himself, probably not someone you would expect, but you know, there's a lot of people who I think have a familiarity with some of these things, but you know, there's not a ton of people writing about it right now. So no, I think that that's why these conversations are so important. I almost feel like it's sort of having a little movement, you know, with Ryan Holiday. And I, and I think, you know, the the Daily Stoic and some of these other books that he's got, you know, have really kind of captivated at least a, a little bit of the culture. I think as we're all trying to find and figure out like how to get through life, like you said, whether that's through like therapy, religion, stoicism, you know, that, that we... We hope that there's some sort of formula out there that, you know, at least maybe will guide us just a little, you know, in the right direction. You know, and especially if some of us, don't, you know, didn't grow up with mentors or, or people to guide us, you know, then we, we really do look to, you know, somebody like Orion Holiday, who's done some of this work. And hopefully soon, soon you, Johnny, that would be, <laughs> that would be really cool. How do you have an idea of like how you want to, do you want to just like keep doing the podcast or is there almost a lane in in teaching it as well or have you thought yeah. about you know, I mean like I think being a stoic coach or something like that 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I would love to be a stoic coach one of these days. I think I need to get a little bit better at implementing it in my own life first. There's definitely a lot of things I still struggle with. But actually, I started writing a book called Don't Panic, Where I'm Going to Die. And I thought it was like a really cool thing. And then I realized I can't sell this because nobody knows who I am. And so I was like, maybe I'll start a podcast, not necessarily as a, a way to like sell myself, but just because I wanted to have interesting conversations with interesting people. But, you know, that's become its own thing. So working on the book. So maybe one of these days it'll come out. But I think uh, I, I also write nonfiction. I post on Medium sometimes. I try and post in the Stoicism subreddit when I can. So I, I just try to get involved in with a little ways. I'm trying to figure out a way to monetize some other things on the side. But I think with this stuff, yeah. Part of stoicism is avoiding the ego. So I, I try not to bring, I try to bring as little as myself into it as possible. But uh, I had a conversation with uh, Massimo Pugliucci, who's a philosopher. I also had a conversation with uh, Pamela Hieronymi, who's also a philosopher at UCLA. And she was the advising uh, philosopher for The Good Place. And one of the things that they both said to me was that philosophy constantly needs to be updated. And so I think it's really important for people to attempt to update things because Philosophy is oftentimes a reflection of the society and which it's born from. With these things that have universal truths, yeah, I feel like it's important to constantly be updating them too. And so I guess that's what I'm trying to do. But I think Ryan Holiday definitely does a better job at it than I do at this point. So he's a great person to start with. He's written a ton of books on the topic if anyone's interested in learning about him. But yeah, I mean, I think we're just all in a weird place post-COVID. Uh, I know, Ryan, you said that... Um, you said that it's having a little bit of a moment. I have a suspicion that a lot of that has to do with this really weird global social experiment that we had where we were locked indoors for two years and had a lot of time to think. I think it bred a lot of anxiety. And I think people reached for a lot of different tools to deal with that. And I think that's, pro that's at least my suspicion of why it's kind of experiencing a little bit of a renaissance right now. So my question is, how would you categorize stoicism? Is it a lifestyle? Is it a religion? Is it just just a, a way to live? Like, how would someone in you know normal terms categorize what it is you're trying to like live by? Yeah, that's, I think it's a great question, Sky. Because you know, I, I, I told, I've talked to people about this before who have like a, a primary religion, and they're like, I don't really want to learn too much more about this because I'm Catholic, and this isn't. This isn't, you know, my my lane. And what I like to tell people is that it's like it's it's a, just a practical philosophy. It's like the same thing as, uh, you know, what's a big thing right now? I'm trying to think of the the word for it. It's like mindfulness. I would call I would compare it to be like just mindfulness. It's just it's like you can be a stoic Christian, you could be a stoic Muslim, you could be a stoic Jehovah's Witness, you can be any religion, you can be an atheist. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just a set of of ideas and, you know, interesting concepts about life that you can look to apply in your life in order to improve it. And you don't need to use everything, you know, but I do find it to be, I do find that there to be a lot of really practical teachings, especially when it comes to dealing with anxiety, because, you know, a lot of anxiety is based in fear of things that have already happened or things that have yet to pass. And uh, if you can learn to tune things out, I feel like it just clears up your your head and for more productive thoughts. So I think that's the benefit that it brings to my life is that it's just got me a lot better at clearing up the space in my head. Is that sort of like an active practice where you follow, I don't know, maybe like affirmations or the actual things you're focusing on or like how does that actually yeah, help the anxiety? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's also a fantastic question. You know, it's one of those interesting things. I think 
the one of the misconceptions I had when I was learning about it was that, you know, I would read a quote and be like, oh, that's really smart. That's really wise. I'm going to remember that. And I would remember it, but I wasn't doing anything different. I wasn't living life differently. And, you know, so the soul has dyed the color of its thoughts. It's like, oh, that's really smart. But then I wasn't doing anything to improve the quality of my thoughts. And so I think for me, it was like, you know, in, in AA, they, t- they teach you to surrender to a higher power. And I felt like it was kind of similar for me where I was like, okay, what's actually like, let's study this for a bit. Let's, let's try and apply this. And so, you know, there's this saying like, what would Jesus do? WWJD. I, I kind of had this thing where I would do like, what would a Stoic do in this situation? And I felt like it was really helpful. One of the things that Stoics talk about a lot, and Marcus specifically, because I think he had an anger problem, was anger. And that they they pretty much all advise across the board that you should not make decisions when you're angry, or you, sh- you should try and not react in anger, you sh- because you realize that people, you know, people are going to be difficult in your life. And most of the time, when you react in anger, you, you end up regretting what you did because it's not representative of who you want to be or how you actually feel about things. And so. Like one of the first things for me was like, you know, if I got in an altercation with somebody or like I got in a fight with my girlfriend or something, I would, instead of being angry and lashing out, I would say, let me just go for a walk. I mean, I would go for a walk, come back and I can have a rational conversation. All of a sudden my relationship started improving because I wasn't, I wasn't lashing out in the same way that I was. And, uh, and you know, when it comes to focusing on things you can't control, uh, I just started trying to apply that and, uh, it's weird. It's one of those things where you don't realize. I, I feel like there's things you could do to improve your happiness, but I think there's also things that you can do in life that will help you help ward off those feelings of unhappiness. And I think that's like what stoicism has done for me, which is like just having more space for more positive things and tuning and not having as many negative thoughts. Didn't necessarily notice how big a difference it made until I had a friend come up to me and were like, hey, I just want to say like, you, you're kind of different now. Like, and I don't mean that to be a bad way, but like, I just feel like you're like more like patient. Like you just don't seem as stressed. Like, what are you doing differently? And it's, you know, and I think I definitely credit it to to stoicism trying to actually apply these things. It's almost like a way to really evaluate or reevaluate the way we're operating, you know, in life and kind of what's important to us. This is something I find fascinating. A lot of times when I, when I first meet clients is possibly like a lot of times, maybe they've, they've never even evaluated or explored their use of emotions and the, you know, kind of the purpose of them. I remember one time I had a client tell me that for some reason, you know, he had somebody teach him that almost every thought and every feeling he had had to be honored and therefore almost acted out. Right. And the amount of like chaos that was coming into this guy's life because every emotion had to be fulfilled and that, you know, something like that had never been really questioned. And, uh, and it was, you know, it was through kind of our work that he finally kind of took a look at like, just like that, like anger and, and what anger was doing, you know, to his life. And so stoicism kind of seems like it gives you that guide or at least, you know, maybe helps you ask some of these questions about how we're operating. Yeah. And I think it's a great observation. I mean, you you mentioned earlier, I think one of the things that young people struggle with is a lack of mentors. And I think that like what stoicism has given me is just a couple of really good mentors. And they wrote in a way that was advising, you know, their friends in their life. And I think that if you can take that and apply it to your own, I, I always look at these things as like, this is a, as like a set of tools. You know, uh, I think that like, 
Buddhism offers a really good set of tools. I think that Christianity offers a really good set of tools. I think that, you know, some parts of being an atheist, there's plenty of atheist philosophers that have taught things that I use every day, but I think they're all just tools in a toolkit. And for me, stoicism is just like the hammer. It's like the one I grab the most, but I think that you can, you can, over the course of your life, you can build up, you know, a set of skills or a set of tools that you reach for, for different situations. It doesn't mean you're always going to handle everything perfectly, but it's nice to not feel like you're in a state of chaos. Yeah. I love yeah, that you, know, you talk it, about tools. No, that's great. That's right. Going back to anger a little. One, I think it's often a mask of sadness. And I think if we actually kind of looked at things maybe more authentically, I think we would we'd be sad a lot more often than than we're actually angry. And I think anger gives us kind of an easy way to elicit that emotion. I do kind of this checklist that's from sort of a, a, a therapist kind of stoic guide like set called DBT. It's a dialectical behavioral therapy. And uh, they have a whole section in there on emotion regulation. And one of the skills is called check the facts. And so you you first analyze like, or, or just ask yourself like, what's this emotion that I'm feeling right now? And what's the intensity, you know? And a lot of times it's like anger at like an eight, you know? And then you're looking at the situation you know, does anger at an eight fit the situation that I'm going through right now? You know, and up, and then you kind of go a little further, ask yourself a few more questions. You go down, okay, so is this anger at an eight justified, you know, for this event? And then lastly, is this anger at an eight effective in getting me what I want? You know, and so sort of a, a similar kind of process. And, you know, but no one, no one ever teaches us, you know, any of these things a lot of times. And so if we can get a mentor like a Roman emperor, I think, I think it's great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think you made a really great, I think it's a really profound observation about anger being just uh, sadness is oftentimes anger. I think people are just more comfortable with anger. People are sad. It can be very overwhelming, but I feel like sometimes when you're angry, this you think, oh, well, I know what to do with anger and because I think it's a coping mechanism maybe for a lot of people. But yeah, I, I think I'd be curious to hear how often people say, was anger effective? I, I'd be curious to hear the answer to that across the board because I feel like it probably would not be a useful emotion most of the time. I think like if I'm on a, if I'm a coach on a basketball team and I'm trying to motivate my players, maybe I got to yell and get angry. I think not, there's a place for every emotion, but I think that it's one of those ones that I think tends to be more destructive than not most of the time. I think it all depends on on how you use that emotion. I think that's the important part there. Because, you know, you said, you know, as a coach, yeah, you're angry because a player did something bad and that's how they learn. You know, your kids touch the stove when you tell them not to, you get mad at them, but they're going to learn their lesson and it's it's how you approach it. As, as someone who used to deal with pretty severe anger, I can tell you that a lot of it just came from a place of fear and sadness, mostly in myself. You talk about how your friend said after you started practicing your stoicism, how different you were. I started practicing mindfulness and I got pretty much, I got, you know, the same reaction from people. And there was one moment where I was like, oh, where someone said they expected a different reaction from me and got a much more pleasant reaction. You know, I think that's just so wonderful that you found something to give you that kind of motivation and give you that thing that you needed to change. You know, you're talking about stoicism. I'm like, man, do I do stoicism stuff already? And it's so weird because you're talking about how it all ties together. And I think that maybe more of us practice it than maybe we thought. Yeah. I mean, I think that like like I mentioned, I think that there are certain threads that tie like a lot of religions or, or sets of beliefs together. 
And I think because they just touched on universal truth. So when we're talking about, you know, maybe some of the same tools that you used to deal with your anger or your fear or anxiety, you know, it ends up, you end up getting there. Uh, oftentimes the path to alleviating those feelings is, is our paths are probably familiar, you know? You almost wonder if Marcus Aurelius and Buddha and Jesus like almost all got together at one point and like exchanged ideas. Like, you know, I feel like they're kind of around like the same time. And I don't know, maybe they had like a, a secret meeting of the of the masters or something like that. Yeah. Because well, there I'd sure was a lot of wisdom. Party. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it did seem like there sure was a lot of wisdom that, you know, has come kind of from that time. And I think that one of the reasons that I think Stoicism, people in the West tend to gravitate towards Stoicism is because Western thought is based in logic or logos would be the Greek term for it. So I think that in Eastern philosophy, there's a lot more of a spiritual element to it because you have the influence of Taoism. You have ideas like karma and reincarnation, which they do find themselves in the Western thought as well. But because Western thought is based on this idea of logic, I think that's why people in the West tend to gravitate towards it more. But I think, like like you mentioned, that they end up getting to the place the same way. I think the biggest difference is like people in the West tend to see life as like this blank canvas. You can write whatever you want on this canvas. Life is whatever you want it to be. You can create your life. But I think in the East, the question is more of like, how have I grown? So rather than a canvas, it's like a block of marble and your potential is underneath that. And it's your job to kind of chip away at that marble to see, you know, what kind of a person can I end up being underneath this all? Uh, ultimately, it's, it's kind of the same thing. But, you know, when you really strip it down, there are a lot of significant differences between the two. And I think that it has influence in the way that you tend to process the world. Has Stoicism led you into a certain religion or faith in any way? Yeah, no, that's a great question. I don't think so. I think that if I was a Christian and I found Stoicism, I would just be a Stoic Christian. Or if I was, you know, Buddhist, found Stoicism, I'd just be a Stoic Buddhist. I think that what it has given me is an appreciation for the beauty of other religions that I maybe didn't have before. My family is very has is rich in Christianity. My my family's from Mexico, so my grandpa, my great great grandpa, or my great grandpa came over here and built founded a church in San Francisco. So it's very very like traditional like uh, Catholic type of Christian apostolic. And you know, I grew up in that. And uh, and once I kind of started having my existential crisis, I found like myself being kind of angry at a lot of the things that I was taught in the church, specifically when it came to like how closed minded. I felt like I was to certain lifestyles. I felt like I had a lot of resentment for it in that. But in getting through stoicism, it's kind of, uh, it's just kind of opened my, my, my mind a little bit more to some of the positive aspects. And I try to take the good, leave the bad behind. So now when I look at Christianity, I don't look at it as, uh, well, all Christians are homophobic or anything like that. I, I look at the story of Jesus and I think that it's an amazing metaphor for grace and forgiveness. And I think that like this idea that nobody is beyond redemption is actually like a really beautiful philosophy to live, to try and apply. And, uh, and if you can make room in your heart for forgiveness, I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing. And so I think it's just allowed me to be more open-minded, which I think makes learning easier. But I think it also just makes getting along with everybody easier, too. It's it's so unfortunate that, you know, really at the heart of the Bible and Christ is, you know, so much non-judgment, acceptance, you know, love. And then, you know, unfortunately, people get a hold of it and add, you know, all that judgment and, you know, sort of corruption and stuff. Johnny, were you always such a philosopher at heart, like, you know, asking why at a young age or, you know, you sure have a, uh, a really curious mind. 
Yeah, I, I think I had a curious mind. I think it's it's taken me a lot of time to figure out how to articulate some of these things. I think one of the beauty of podcasting is I think you, you get better at doing that in real time. But I think that like my my evolution into being a, more of a thinker, I think just came from this this time period where uh, I was post college and I had this job where I was at a law firm and I, I hated the job at the time. I felt like almost everyone I was depressed and I could not, I, did, I definitely did not feel blessed to be there at the time. But I look back and it was such a blessing for me because it was really old school. So basically, they were just trying to, they had me there to keep everybody organized because they didn't have any technology. Uh, and But they had all these really big, important clients. And so that was just keeping everyone organized, but I had a ton of downtime. And so I think, you know, in that one year that I worked there, I read over 100 books and almost all of them were philosophy based. And so I think it happened when I was 23. And so since then, I've, I've kept that practice going of trying to read and trying to learn about philosophies. But I think that everybody has a superpower. I, I truly believe that. I think that we all have like a, a ton of different talents. And I think that we have some talents that are like really like specific to you. And I always tell people, I think my superpower is research. Like I don't mind spending 10 hours reading about stoicism in front of my computer without a break. I know most people can't do that, but uh, but I have no problem doing that. I like to do stuff like that. So I think I, I think all my wisdom that I have to offer is borrowed. I really don't think that I'm like, you know, contributing a lot of original thought to these things. But what I try and do is try and present it in a way that feels modern and relevant so that somebody who's not familiar with these things is able to understand them. Well, if it helps, I feel like you've taught me just in the short little while we've talked. I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thank you. So so going back to your journey into stoicism, I just want to clarify something and, and let me know if I'm wrong. You didn't mm-hmm. do any like traditional therapy, correct? You know, I, I tried it. I, I wish I had a therapist like Ryan when I uh, when I when I was <laughs> looking for it. I wish yeah. we had a therapist <laughs> like Ryan. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I did try. I, I've been to three different therapists, and actually, the first time I ever went to therapy, I was like 18, and I felt like. I'll, I'll just say, I thought, I thought the therapist was like a bad therapist. And I felt like I opened up to her about these things I was struggling with. And in return, I was judged very openly and honestly for, for, for the things I was struggling with. And it gave me like these, like all these really negative uh, thoughts about myself that I think were probably misplaced. And so I was kind of jaded. I tried it out a few more times after that. But, you know, the American healthcare system isn't amazing, uh, especially when it comes to providing mental health care for people. And so anytime I tried digging into it, I just felt like uh, it was too expensive or too complicated. But mostly, I just couldn't find a good therapist. And so therapy is great. I think that there's a ton of people I've met who benefit from therapy. And I think that I myself would greatly benefit from therapy. I just haven't found the right therapist yet. But But you're not closed off to the idea. No, not at all. Okay. Not at all. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. I just think that you being able to find the peace through your study of stoicism is just so wonderful because yeah, not, not everybody can find that and, and work through this journey on your own. And I think it's commendable that you've been able, well, not on, I know you're not on your own, but I think it's commendable that you searched for this on your own and kind of delved into it a little bit. And it's helped you so much because it seems like it's, you know, you're, you talk about having a tool bag. Can you tell us maybe some of the other tools that you, that you use to help yourself besides stoicism? Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that to, just to go, so maybe jump off a little bit what you were saying. I, I think the reason I, I try to bring up the fact that I haven't gone to therapy is just because I think that it's not always an option for everybody. And I want people to feel like there is hope if you 
can't because if you can't go to therapy, because I think there are other means of, you know, educating yourself or other tools that you can use without therapy. I think it's great for everybody. I think everybody could benefit from it. I don't want to say that I'm anti-therapy at all because I'm the opposite of that. But I think that, you know, you, there are other tools that you can use to help improve your, your mental health outside of it. Just so you know, yeah. I'm in a lot of my sessions, if if we don't have anything, you know, maybe really pressing mm-hmm. and it's, I don't know, maybe me and the client are kind of struggling to come up with something. I really do. I go, I pull the, you know, go to the date and then, you know, we read the, you know, a couple paragraphs and it never fails. Every time I have, you know, wow, a 50 minute session all on, you know, whatever topic that was. And so, you know, like to your point, you know, that it is hard to find a therapist at times. Me being a therapist, I struggle to find a therapist, you know, that's either in network or, you know, isn't a fortune and then actually, you know, calls you back. Yeah, it's, it's definitely difficult. And, uh, and, and if you can, uh, if you have other ways, you know, to, to help ask you some of these same questions or help you reflect in really uh, introspective ways, uh, then by all means, you know, stoicism is a, is a great, great tool and a great resource. Yeah. I can't tell you how much I love the the fact that that's your, uh, your go-to method with your clients. I think that's amazing. And anybody who's listening, if you haven't checked it out, you should definitely go back and check out it's uh, Ryan's episode in this podcast. Hey man, it's okay. Because it's, it's, it's an amazing story. Uh, and so, you know, I think everyone should have a therapist like Ryan, uh, but if you can't get Ryan, at least listen to his story. It's, it's really amazing. I feel really I lucky think you to asked, have him as part of my team and part of my crew here. Yeah, you guys are great. You get, it's a good duo you have here. I'm looking forward to the future episodes that you guys put out for sure. I think you asked me, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, did you ask me uh, if there's any other things outside of stoicism that I've yeah. used? What else do you use to coincide with your growth and with your change? Yeah. If you're interested in stoicism, or maybe are you familiar with stoicism and you want to learn, look into other things, I think the Tao Te Ching is amazing. So that is like what Taoism is based off of. It was written by Lao Tzu, and it's like he's a Chinese philosopher before Marcus was around. And it's they're like little parables, they're like little poems. You can read the book in a day so easily. You could probably read it in like two hours, but it is like one of the best books on Eastern philosophy if you're interested in checking that out. But one of the books that really changed my life was Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, 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 mm-hmm. It happens. I think it comes up a lot. It's often suggested to, to people who are struggling with anything like depression or existentialism. And I think it's because while Stoicism speaks to, I think, a lot of tools that helps you with anxiety, the Man's Search for Meaning speaks to people who are having a crisis of meaning in their life or a lack of meaning in their life, rather. And what his whole thing is, it goes back to kind of like the absurdist ideas of the, the 20th, 20th century and Camus and all of those guys. But it's this idea that life is kind of irrational. Like we kind of live in a illogical world and we can't control a lot of what happens to us. And if you don't have a religion in your life that has answers for all these problems, life can feel especially crazy. And so his whole belief is that you actually can assign meaning to things and you you can choose what's important to you. You can choose what matters to you. And that's actually like a really beautiful thing is that what is the question uh, of what is the meaning of life is really up to you. And uh, it's it's actually really, it's really empowering idea that I've found to be a really, uh, really great guiding light in my life. 
Johnny, it's so funny. You and I would really get along. I think. I'm getting that, yeah. One of the one of the stories that I'm constantly telling clients is is Albert Camus' uh, take on uh, Sisyphus, and you know, really just leaning into the absurdity of life. Yeah, because <laughs> it is. It's it's uh, it can be absurd. It can be absolutely freaking absurd. And so, yeah. you know, what are we left to do? Yeah, and so it's like, well, make the most of this absurdity. Yeah, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Just you bringing that up, I it makes me feel like you're 100% right and that we would get along. It's funny. I was telling Sky before we recorded, I, uh, I I got laid off in June, so I'm, I have a lot of free time on my hand right now. But uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is, uh, I was working in software for a while, just doing sales, just completely empty of meaning for me. I, I started, you know, I have an interest in men's fashion. So I started, I'm trying to, to make the uh, the perfect hoodie. That's like what I'm trying to do right now. And uh, the, my logo is Sisyphus. It's and my, the company is called Happy Sisyphus because I think it's important. Like these are really important things. And Sisyphus, I think, is probably the best metaphor we have for the human condition. And so, you know, I don't think that anybody has ever been like there's a lot of like apparel brands right now that are like based on like mental health. I don't think that anybody on planet Earth has ever been like and I was feeling really depressed today. But then I saw a T-shirt that says it gets better. And man, it really turned my life around. Like, <laughs> that's not really what I'm trying to do. But I think if I can, you know, get people to say, who is Sisyphus? Like, why is he important? And then like, maybe take a dive into some of the things that we're talking about. I think that that is actually, that is actually a better route forward because, you know, it's like, uh, you know, with addiction, like people aren't going to, you have to want to get better to get better. And I think with that, you know, with these types of things too, it's like, you have to like want to, to be, you have to be curious about these things and like make the effort to learn about them in order for them to actually have impact and help you in your life. So I'm just trying to scratch that itch for people or, or I guess make people itchy rather. <laughs> well, I really want a hoodie and I really want a hoodie with Sisyphus on it. That's <laughs> that yeah, yeah. like right up my alley. And just yeah, we, for, Ryan um, and I have been talking about hoodies. So that would be, that would be really cool to look into that. Oh yeah. <laughs> Once yeah, yeah. I'm from San Francisco. So, and I, and I know Sky's up in Seattle, so we're, we're, it's part of our uniform. If you need a, uh, if you need test subjects, uh, I volunteers tribute. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'll definitely, after this call, I'll, we'll make sure we have each other's contact information. I'll get you guys some for sure. Just so people know, we were talking about the, if you don't know the Sisyphus story, actually, Johnny, you probably know it better than than I even do. But if you just want to tell people real fast, kind of just the what Sisyphus was condemned to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I've I've been writing about this a lot recently. So I, I, I think you caught me at a good time. But Sisyphus was basically this a figure in Greek mythology. He was the king of Corinth, and uh, he was a really clever king. But he was so like very like I guess they call him abusive. Like he just wasn't a good guy you know, over the course of his life, that he basically was condemned to die by the gods. The gods wanted to kill him. And they tried to do so twice. And they and they basically, he's so clever, he tricked the god of death into tying himself up in Hades and escaped death. And then he kind of like faked his own death. And then was like, hey, I need to go back to the real world to get revenge on the person who killed me. For some reason, they let him do it. Uh, but then the gods got sick of him. And they were like, okay, we need to punish this guy. We need to make sure he never leaves. And the Greeks were really good at imagining ways to torment people for eternity. Prometheus is an example. Like There's a lot of stories in Greek mythology about people being tortured for eternity. But Sisyphus, Sisyphus is like the most enduring example because, you know, it doesn't seem that bad on the face value. His punishment was to roll a boulder up a hill every day. But before it reached to the top of the hill, the boulder would roll down the hill and then he'd have to go and start over. He'd have to do this every single day for eternity. Part of why it's become a you know enduring symbol for the human condition 
and has been picked up by by existentialists like Camus or Kierkegaard is because uh, it's a really good metaphor for like how weird life is. They they use this this thing called the absurd a lot. The absurd is basically this idea that life, the world, is illogical, but humans are rational beings and we are very logical. And so that's kind of a paradox, right? Just like rolling the boulder up the hill. And so we are all Sisyphus, essentially. You know, we all are condemned to this to live to be rational beings living in a world that's extremely irrational. And so in our own way, we're all pushing the boulder up the hill. And at the end of the myth of Sisyphus by Camus, the conclusion he comes to is that we have to imagine Sisyphus is happy to be happy doing the labor that even though he's rolled the boulder up the hill and it's rolling back down, he goes back to doing the work and he's happy about it because he's found a reason to be, to have purpose or meaning or fulfillment in a life, even though all he's doing is rolling a boulder up a hill. And so that's like the myth of Sisyphus in a, in a, in a nutshell. Beautiful. Great. I love it. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So you're talking about, you know, having your sweatshirt give, give people the itch and like, what is that? What would, what advice <laughs> yeah. would you give people who are looking into this and like just starting their journey into stoicism? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I think that I would suggest two things. Well, I think the daily Stoics is a great, is a great book to pick up because you don't need to read the whole thing at once. If you're not somebody who's a big reader, it's literally just one stoic quote a day. And then maybe like two to three paragraphs on the explanation of the quote. So I think that's a really good start for people. Um, if they're interested, in, if you are a reader or, you know, are, are willing to read a whole book, I think that meditations, uh, specifically the Hayes edition, is really good pickup because Marcus is the best. And I think that when I speak to people, it's someone that tends to resonate with the most people. But beyond that, if, you know, if, if you're not really into reading at all, I think the Daily Stoic is a good podcast. If you like podcasts, you listen to Don't Panic, We're All Going to Die. My podcast is basically Stoic Podcasts in Disguise, so you can check that out. And then also, like, you know, YouTube is a great resource, too. So there's a lot of different ways you can find information on this stuff. I'd maybe steer away from Wikipedia because it's more about the historical context of things rather than, like, actual ways to apply it to your life. But the fortunate part about being in this this day and time is there's a lot of different ways you can get information. So it's out there. But I would say meditations is would be my suggestion for a book. And if you want someone more modern, I would say go to Holiday or Pigliucci. Awesome. That's so cool. Well, man, I, I really appreciate all of the info you've given us. And I, mean, I really feel like this is just such a brief insight over what what it is and how it can help you and how it can help change and help you grow. So I just I just want to give you my appreciation. I'm sure Ryan feels the same. Is there anything that you feel was unsaid that you want to say before we end things here today? No, specifically. I mean, just thanks for having me. I, pre- I appreciate you having me on the podcast. I think what you're what you're doing is really cool. Mental health is like a really you know important topic to be talking about, and uh, and I think that there are a lot of different ways that people can improve their mental health. Yeah. So I appreciate you having me. Maybe next time, we, you know, it's an interesting subject is, is happiness. So if you have me back, I'd love to talk to you guys about that sometime. But uh, I know your podcasts are only like 50 minutes to an hour. And so, uh, yeah, it'd probably be hard to squeeze that into, into this episode. Yeah, That's definitely. a conversation I'd love to have right there. Me yeah. too. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Next, next time you're on, we'll talk about happiness and, and how people find it and all that stuff. That'd be super exciting. And, you know, obviously we'd love to have you on again because you're, you're such a wonderful guest and oh, new friend you. of the show. That. 
Yeah, definitely. I'll be keeping an eye on future episodes. I'll be listening. And uh, I live in LA too, Ryan. So maybe we get lunch sometime or something. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, I definitely want to know when those hoodies are going to launch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, for sure. I've designed them. I have the designs and I'm doing product shoots this month. And then after that, I should have like my first order towards the end of the month or November. So once I have that, I'll send you guys oh, some for sure. Cool. Nice. Do you have an Instagram page? Yeah. So I haven't set one up for my, my business yet, but you can find me at here's Johnny Nava, pretty much anything. So TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, here's Johnny, and then N-A-V-A. And you can find me. Got it. And check out your podcast. Oh, yeah. And my podcast, Don't Panic, We're All Going to Die. If you're interested in topics like this, I try to bring in a guest every time. So each each episode is a guest. And we've had some pretty cool guests. Kevin Kelly is like a huge mentor of mine, kind of indirectly, but I've connected with him through the podcast and he's been an excellent mentor since then. So if you're interested in checking it out, maybe start off with one of those episodes because he is the GOAT. And he also wrote the book that The Matrix is based off of. So oh, interesting. A really, really interesting person. I think I saw you had the, was it the lead singer of Portugal, the man also? Yeah, dude. Yeah. John Gorley, he's like, he's the coolest guy in the world. And I'm not even just like saying that it's like, because he was on my podcast, like he's so cool. He's like really humble and so kind and also like really smart and, uh, and articulate. And uh, yeah, he's just like super generous person. He's someone I look up to a lot. I'll definitely have to check those out. Thank you, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks, thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Ryan. (laughs) Thanks, listeners, for tuning in. Make sure to check out our website, heymanitsok.com. Okay is just the letters OK. And we're on pretty much all social media at Hey Man, It's OK. Link to our YouTube is on our website. Make sure to follow, like, subscribe, sign up for newsletters to get our updates when we release episodes. And thanks for tuning in. And from Sky, until next time, it's okay to not be okay. Later, guys. All right. Take care, everybody.